It's time for Thriller Thursdays here on the Mutual Audio Network. The following audio drama is rated PG for parental guidance recommended. Chapter 8 The hut was bigger than it appeared from the outside. Quite impossibly so. But the sheer volume of clutter made the space still feel cramped, and one did not notice the paradox at first. There also seemed to be a door beside the fireplace that led to another room, and Fenwick was fairly certain that was in no way reflected by the building's exterior— but he thought it best to let that go. The old man smiled as he handed Fenwick a cup of tea. The red panda nodded his thanks and took the cup with some trepidation. He was more astonished by the contents of the simple clay cup than he had been by the room itself. It's Earl Grey, he said in surprise. Of course it is, the old man smiled, settling down on a mat opposite where his guest sat. We aren't savages. "'My apologies,' Fenwick began, but the man shrugged, and it was clear that he was not offended. "'You come about Maxwell Falcone,' the old man said. It was not a question. "'How did you know that?' the red panda said, surprised. "'I do not get a lot of visitors,' his host said with a smile. "'One white man stops by, looking for something insanely dangerous.' I hear nothing more from him, and then another one comes by. It seemed logical. The younger man looked grim. I wonder if it is as simple as all that, he said. Ah! The old man smiled. That is a good trick, the way you clouded your mind just now so that I could not read your thoughts. Very clever. And not magical either. "'Very effective!' He seemed genuinely pleased. "'Falcone was here?' Fenwick asked, returning to the subject at hand. The old man nodded. "'He was seeking an item of great power and great danger. "'The Eye of Anubis!' The man's eyes narrowed as he considered Fenwick. "'I would feel more comfortable discussing this with you "'if you did not hide yourself from me.' "'A force of habit,' Fenwick said. The old man smiled and sipped his tea. It was clear that he could wait all night. The red panda considered trying his own hypnotic powers on the man, but given the circumstances he could hardly afford to lose a time in a struggle. He dropped the mental defenses he was using, and the old man seemed to know it without being told. "'Your friend seeks the eye, and you seek your friend,' he said. Your motives seem pure enough, though your true face wears a mask, which seems a little unusual. I don't like to pry. Fenwick nodded. That might be best, he said. The man seemed ready enough to accept this, and stared into the fire casually. What do you know of the god Anubis? he asked. "'God of the dead in the old kingdom,' Fenwick said, half reciting. Patron, "'Patron of embalmers and undertakers, master of the underworld, "'before many of his roles were ascribed to Osiris during the Middle Kingdom.' "'Yes,' the old man nodded. 
It is said that he weighed the heart of the newly deceased, the Red Panda continued, and those souls found wanting were devoured. Nothing is ever quite as simple as it sounds, the old man smiled, but that is indeed what they say. Then what is the eye? the Red Panda asked. The old man did not look at his guest, but spoke as if talking to the fire. It is said that long ago, longer than even our history records, a great gem was discovered unlike any other that had been seen before or since. It was the size of a man's fist, and black as midnight, black as the face of the jackal where the god of the dead bore. It was brought, therefore, to the priests of the temple of Anubis, whether it was they who treated the stone with many magics, or if the stone itself bore innate power, no one knows for certain. I suspect the truth may lie somewhere in the vastness between, but mostly because it usually does. All that is known for certain is that the stone was set in an amulet of gold, intricately carved, and by the time it was presented to the pharaoh it had been named the Eye of Anubis, and bore great powers, great powers, and terrible. The old man trailed off. The red panda said nothing, waiting for his host to begin again. The old man took a sip of his tea. The eye gave the bearer power over life and death itself, in a fashion. It had the power to restore life to the newly dead, though not to heal whatever had killed them in the first place, so they didn't last long. A few words, a final secret, name the killer, that sort of thing. Impressive, but not the sort of thing that excites a pharaoh. It also gave the power to command the dead. Restore a sort of terrible mockery of life to corpses, and to command them as slaves. In many cultures that would yield you little more than a pile of rotting, perambulating shells. But the preserved bodies of the ancient Egyptians were perfect vessels for such a second life. For a time, the enemies of Egypt were driven from the land by armies of the dead, vast, impossible monuments created with their inhuman strength. Nothing could stop them. He looked at last at the red panda, and his eyes were full of despair. You can imagine to what purpose evil men would put such power were it theirs to command. The red panda appeared skeptical. Then the eye truly exists? These aren't merely legends? The old man raised an eyebrow. You have seen magic at work, and still it is easier to disbelieve, he said. I did not intend any offense, the red panda said with a slight bow of his head. The old man waved the apology away. I am not offended, he said. This is not religion, nor is it myth, nor stories for children. It simply is an essential, simple, and extremely deadly fact. The eye of Anubis is not of the mortal world. No human hand should command such terrible power. Fenwick nodded. 
"'And you told this to Maxwell Falcone?' he asked. "'I did. "'He did not seek the eye for himself, "'but to keep it out of the hands of his rivals, "'who would abuse its power. "'You read his mind?' the old man chuckled. "'We have no need of such gestures, Falcone and I,' he said. "'Where is the Eye of Anubis?' the Red Panda asked. "'If it were in the hands of the pharaohs, why was it not passed down through the ages?' "'That is a funny story,' the old man said. "'Pharaoh knew that the power of the Eye could not keep him from death forever.' He knew that one day he too must die, and as such would be vulnerable to the eye's power as the army of the poor, restless corpses he commanded. So he built it a palace, a temple, a monument unlike any the world had ever seen, and left it there, surrounded by death for any who would seek the eye and its power. The old man paused a moment. All right. "'So it isn't a very funny story at all,' he said. "'I suppose you had to be there. "'Is there any particular reason why the Eye of Anubis should be in Alexandria?' the Red Panda asked. "'The old man seemed surprised. "'Alexandria? Why, no,' he said. "'The Eye is where it always has been, "'within the very heart of the first and greatest of the pyramids.' "'The pyramids?' the Red Panda said, astonished. "'The Pyramid of Cheops?' The old man just laughed until his wiry frame shook. The red panda's brows knit. There was nothing inside the Great Pyramid except for a burial chamber deep within, long since discovered. The entire structure was almost solid rock. There certainly wasn't a temple to Anubis inside. He was about to say so when the curtain opened in the doorway, and a young woman appeared. She was strikingly beautiful, but Fenwick could not help comparing her with Bahiti, who, he had to remind himself, did not actually exist. "'My apologies, Grandfather,' she said. "'I did not know that you had company.' The girl inclined her head slightly, and her long black hair shone in the firelight. The red panda started. The girl's hair was uncovered. "'I beg your pardon, sir, if this seems like an odd question,' he said quickly. "'But is there any reason why you should have been offended "'had I brought into your house a young woman with her head uncovered?' "'The old man seemed puzzled. "'Why, no,' he said. "'The customs of our Mohammedan neighbours are—' "'But Fenwick was already on his feet and out the door. "'He raced out onto the road where the serious young boy "'still held his vigil over the car, "'now keeping his fellows at bay with a stick. "'Fenwick sprinted up the hill, cursing himself for a fool as he ran.' As he came to the lip of the hill, he found the first of the thugs, lying face down, quietly bleeding all over the soft sand. He raced on and looked up, expecting the worst. The toughs who had served El Numer were strewn about the area in all directions, all in various states of unconsciousness. Kit stood in their midst, bent over slightly, with her hands on her knees as if catching her breath. This happened sometimes when they fought in civilian clothes. Aerial maneuvers took it out of you without static shoes to give that extra lift. Her hat had been knocked off at some point, and her shirt looked to be slightly torn at the neck and shoulder. The wider-than-usual neckline and her posture meant that more of her was on display than normal, but he was too relieved to see her alive to properly appreciate it. She grinned at him, and gave the side of her mouth a quick wipe with her hand in case there was any blood on her lip. "'What kept ya?' she asked.
This is Thursday Thrillers, audio with action on the Mutual Audio Network. Join us tomorrow on Mutual with Friday Follies, the end of the week collection of comedy cut-ups. You can subscribe to the full Mutual Audio Network feed for every day of audio drama that fits your fancy. Or find the Friday Follies feed in your favorite podcast players. Now that's a lot of F's. The Mutual Audio Network. Listening and imagining together.